There was a preacher who moved to another city. You know, he was invited to come preach like a crusade. And as soon as he arrived, he checked into the hotel. And um, shortly after then, he wrote a mail, um, a card, you know, to the mom, just to let her know he was safe where he was and everything was nice. And he walked out of the hotel room. He couldn't figure out where the post office was. So he saw a young boy riding a bicycle, a boy of about six. And he stopped the boy. Please, do you know the way to the post office? And the boy said, sure. Just keep walking on this road. You make a right when you see the White House there at the junction. And then you walk a little bit for like two minutes. You make a left. And then you see the roundabout and a big tree. You follow right again and follow the tree. And then the post office is on your right. And the preacher was very impressed. Smart boy, he said. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm in this area to preach a crusade tonight at the church down the road. If you don't mind, you can come this evening at 6 p.m. And I'll be showing you the way to heaven. And the boy said, no thanks. He was shocked. Why? The boy said, you don't even know the way to the post office. <laughs> How am I sure you know the way to heaven? I know several people who would say that today's gospel is their favorite passage of scripture. It is indeed an attractive image of Jesus as way to heaven, of Jesus going ahead of us to prepare a place for us in his father's house. It is comforting to know that our belief in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life is our own means to eternal life the way, the truth, and the life. In Latin, we call them the three V's. Via, veritas, vita. Those are the three words in Latin. In this passage, however, Jesus tries to comfort his disciples on the very evening he has delivered to them three pieces of shocking news. One of his disciples will betray him, one. Secondly, he's leaving them and they can't follow him for now, two. And then three, Peter himself will deny him three times tonight. Those were dark hours that night before the Lord was betrayed, abused, tortured and ultimately crucified. In a very short time, the world of the 11 disciples was going to collapse into an unbelievable chaos. Their sun was about to set at midday and their whole world was going to fall in all around them. I mean, they have left their families, they have left their sources of income and they have left all their security 
to follow Jesus and now he's going to leave them behind. He's the one whom they believe will be the Messiah, the Son of God. So how come he's not able to overcome this imminent battle facing him? Jesus saw all of these things. He knew everything going on in them. And he speaks much needed words of comfort to these men whom he loves so much. He says to them, and as you heard in the gospel reading, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. They are troubled for very many good reasons, no doubt. Imagine that the word trouble from the original Greek context is the word terrazzo. Terrazzo means to stir and to shake up figuratively to cause inward turmoil, disturbance, unsettled, and thrown into confusion. These are all the emotions, you know, to describe what the disciples were going through at that time. They were deeply troubled. You know, because of my ministry with college students, I sometimes have to break it down to the language they can understand, you know, especially when you have pictured yourself to be at that present instance. So you can imagine me just telling my students what Jesus could be saying in modern language. Like, guys, 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 do not freak out, boys. Okay? Don't wig out, boys. Don't trip. I know what I've said is very heavy, okay? But it's not to cause you to worry. No cause for alarm. Relax. Jesus doesn't just sing them a little song like, don't worry, be happy. You know it? Here is a little song I wrote. You may sing it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. In every life, you have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. He didn't go that route, okay? The cure to their worry lies in the next sentence that followed in the gospel. And he says, You believe in God? Believe also in me. Period. That is a cure to your worry. Both parts of these are imperatives and commands. And we ought to read it this way. You, believe in God and believe in Jesus. You will find yourself worried, distressed, anxious about the trouble coming down upon you. You who are so worried about your marriage or your relationships, worried about your health or the health of someone close to your family, worry about your jobs or someone stressing you out in your place of work, worry about your school or your schoolwork, worry about a death in the family, worry about what is happening in our world today, the turmoil we have thrown ourselves into, worry about mass shooting all over the place and all of these abuses and scandals, worry about so many things, your soul is 
and your comfort lies in trusting God who is revealed in Jesus Christ. As it is said, turn your worries into worship and watch God turn your battles into blessings. Turn your worries into worship and watch God turn your battles into blessings. In today's first reading, we saw an early Christian community that was worried, that was panicking because of a problem that was capable of dividing them. There was already a division in the camp. That problem was capable of tearing them apart. What did the early Christian community do? They went back to basis. They went back to their foundation in God, the reason why they existed in the first place, to pray and to look for a solution out of their problems. That was what they did. The Holy Spirit was invoked. And through that, they found a very peaceful and amicable way to solve that problem. That is a lesson for us when we go through all of these things in life to trace our steps back to who we are and whose we are and on whose foundation we are standing in order to solve those problems that tear us apart. How did they solve it? The solution to that problem in the early Christian community in today's first reading was what led to the diaconate ministry. The deacons we have in all our churches today, in our world, this was the fruit of that problem, how they resolved it. And we are so blessed, at least we have Deacon Jim in our parish here, and so many other deacons working in different parishes. Without these deacons, I tell you, most of us priests would not survive in these parishes. The diaconate ministry is very important. Just look at Deacon Jim, like I tell him, anytime he's walking ahead of me, see the, sh the shape of his head is very similar to mine. And you look at his head, sometimes I get a lot of inspiration. I think we should clap for all of our deacons. A round of applause for all of our deacons. All of our deacons. The enormous work that they do for us worldwide is as a result of today's first reading. And that's how the diaconate ministry was created. And in our second reading, we are reminded that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart to carry out God's work, called out of darkness into his light. This is who we are. There is an epidemic of worry today. Anxiety is the number one mental health disorder. Anti-anxiety medications are one of the largest selling prescription drugs. And I can experience it, you know, even with my college students. 
last week was the week of finals for Wake Forest University. And this week we are entering is the week of finals for North Carolina A&T. And I'm the priest in the midst of this whole finals with so many students anxious about how they will survive these weeks. And not just because it's week of finals, every now and again. And we know how young people and as well as old people can be, you know, just torn apart by anxiety and stress and all of this, which made me to divisive means of communicating with my students. And every now and again, I share with them. Almost every homilies I preach, I have to remind them because I know they go through a lot of stress. I mean, we have come to the time where somebody is studying microbiology with a minor in music, another minor in French kind of thing. That's a whole lot going on in somebody's mind, in somebody's brain. So with all of those stress, I, I tell them, I said, you know what, you should tell yourself every day you wake up and as you move around, that you are too blessed to be stressed, okay? And you are too anointed to be disappointed. So every time I see them and I just ask, so how are you doing today? You know what, Father? I'm too blessed to be stressed. And I'm too anointed to be disappointed, you know? And that brings smiles all of a sudden. There got to be ways to survive all of these things going on. Most of the psychotherapy is aimed at alleviating people's fears. Jesus said that in the last days, people's hearts would fail them for fear of the things they see coming to pass. In our time, world events coupled with our lifestyles have combined to put a squeeze on many they can't cope with. Something's going to give, and where it gives into is worry, anxiety attacks, nervous breakdowns, and coping mechanisms like drugs, like alcohol, like sex, like materialism. Whatever people latch on it to distract them from their fears, from their worries, from their anxieties. When Jesus says, don't worry, do not be troubled, believe in God and believe in me, he's saying, don't fix your attention on the things that create fear. Don't disguise your prayers with worries. Jump into the loving, strong arms of your Heavenly Father and know the peace He gives through Jesus. In other words, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big your God is. Turn it around. Otherwise, you'll be eaten up by all of these anxieties and worries. God has got a central role to play in your life. Put Him first. Thomas Akempis, reflecting on today's gospel, says this. You know, he was a German priest and a, a monk of his time. And he wrote the book, The Imitation of Christ. He says it this way. Follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without life, there is no living. 
I am the way which you must follow, the truth which you must believe, and the life which you must live for. If you abide in my way, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and you shall attain life everlasting. In following that way, this is the way that leads to heaven. And that is why Christ says in today's gospel that I'm going to prepare a place for you because in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. And you probably know that song, you know, that was written after, after, after the war. You know, I sang it even growing up as a little boy in Nigeria, you know. Based on this particular passage of John chapter 14, and the song goes, dogs, come and go with me to my father's house, to my father's house, to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house where there is joy, joy, joy. In my father's house, there are many mansions there. In my father's house, in my father's house, in my father's house, there are many mansions there. To my father's house I'll go. Happy, happy, happy we shall be. Happy, happy, happy we shall be. Happy, happy, happy we shall be. To my father's house I go. So when you imagine you knowing that you have a father's house being prepared for you, you have a dwelling place that will be eternal for you, you live your life more joyfully. You live your life more happily. Praise be our Lord Jesus, now and forever.